Today's Bible reading is from Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 18. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. But by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you here. Let me pray as we start this message. Father, we do thank you we can be here tonight, t today. And Lord, encourage and warm our hearts as we think about the gospel and as we think about the ministry of the church here with that gospel. And Father, just speak to us through this passage of scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Scott said, we're taking a break from our Ezekiel series and I'm wanting to speak on the very short but important topic of why I love God's church. And I do love God's church and in particular I love St Matthew's church. And that's what I want to do and I want to encourage us in particular about what's happening here in this church. And so I've got two things I want to go through. Firstly, uh, the biblical material and then secondly, some encouragement for us on this day. Um, churches are incredible places, they're very unique places, uh, they are this incredible mosaic of people and we've got people who gather from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, experiences, stations in life, um, all sorts of nationalities, languages, uh, even just here at St Matthews, it's just this broad mosaic which is a very beautiful thing and I don't think there's a more unique mosaic of people who gather in any group literally in the world than what you get in the church. And so there's this incredible wonder and beauty about the church, yet also 
you have to be honest and go, there's some bad things that have happened with the church. And as beautiful as it is, we're all deeply flawed people. I only have to look at my own life to know that. And so as a human community, you get this incredible mix of seeing the best of life, but you can often see the worst of life as things are done in the strength that only God could give, which are wonderful, but things that are done in God's name that you think, how on earth did that happen? That just shouldn't be. And so with its defects and warts, I still love the church though. Because of the way God's at work in it through the preaching of the gospel. But churches are also funny places at times. I mean, where else can you have these sorts of mistakes with announcements? And thank you, Bruce Baird, for sending this through. Here are some uh, announcements that uh, were once announced. This sermon this morning is on the Lord works, walks on the water. The sermon tonight is searching for the Lord. <laughs> Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) I said that with a precursor at 8 o'clock, because we have a great choir at 8 o'clock. I didn't want them to think I thought badly of them. And let me say, the, the musicians are fantastic here. But that's the church. We're this kind of unique place. We've got warts. We've got problems, but there's also this incredible beauty about it. And it's because we've got flawed people who meet with a flawless and perfect God. And at its best, you see this incredible God working powerfully through his people through the message of the gospel. And the vision of our church is that we would grow God's church through the gospel. That's why we're here. And that's why I've been encouraging people to think of those who've not come back yet for whatever reasons, to encourage them to come back and be part of the body of Christ. It's why last week we had the recharge encouragement to serve and it was so wonderful to see so many people who said, yes, I want to be involved in what's happening. And today, Tim very thankfully has come and done uh, probably the more difficult thing to say, look, we really need to just encourage at this point in time people to give a little bit more to help us get through and thank you for listening and for those in advance who'll be helping. Well, we've got a passage I've picked today, it's Romans chapter 12 and there's a number of things I want to look at briefly and then I want to speak about what's actually happening in terms of this being lived out in this parish. And so if you've got your Bibles there, please do turn with me uh, to Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to start with verse 1 and verse 3, because the first thing I notice here about uh, this description, and it's where Romans pivots from talking about what the gospel is and the wonder of it and the power of it, to then begin to talk about the life of God's people together as a result of the gospel. It's his description that starts to unfold of the church community. And what we see here in verse 1 is this uh, phrase, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And what Paul says here is the church is this group of people who have responded and received God's mercy. 
Verse 3, they're people that have been graced by God. His grace is at work in them. And that's the profound thing about us. We're not just this human organisation. We're a group of people who have encountered the living God. And what have we encountered? What have we been filled with? What have we known? It's his mercy. It's his love. It's his grace. I often say about us as a group of people, uh, we are not better than anyone else in the world. Hopefully what we are is different to what we used to be. And one of the problems in churches can be a sense of moral um, superiority because we have the word of God and the ways of God revealed to us, but none of us are any better to anyone else outside the church. What we hopefully are is better than who we used to be because of the way God's grace and his love and his mercy has been at work in our lives to transform us. We're not better than others, we are forgiven people who've been transformed by God's mercy and grace and are deeply loved by God. And the impact of that is that you see people who, though broken, have found healing. They've found love. They've found mercy. And it's transformed their life. And that's the second point. You see, this community that is built on the mercy and the grace of God, which basically prevents us from ever boasting about anything else except for the Lord Jesus Christ, this group of people is filled with transformed people. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And you see... When people meet the mercy of God, when they encounter his grace and his love and his forgiveness, it works in them to transform them and change them. And what Paul says here is, be a person who is not conformed to the pattern of this world. In other words, we are not people who are like the rest of the world in the sense of trying to be like them and keep up with them and just do what culture says. Rather, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds as we understand who we are in Christ and what the gospel says to us. It changes us and transforms our lives. You see, who am I in Christ? Well, I'm someone who is loved. I'm someone who is forgiven. I'm someone who has a future and a hope. I'm someone who has the security of knowing eternal life through Christ Jesus. I'm someone who has met the living God at the cross of his son and seen my sins washed away. I'm someone who's seen the empty tomb and my hopes secured, eternal life granted. That's who I am. And I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 as he leads up to this point. He says, no one and nothing can separate you from that love that is found in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Let me read you a story of one of the young adults from our night church called Zara. Zara came to faith just a couple of years ago. And I spoke to her this week and asked her to write and describe what happened to her life in these past few years in becoming a Christian. And the transformation that's taken place as she's understood the gospel and her whole way of thinking and mind has been transformed. She said this, before hearing about God and becoming a Christian at 17, 
I was so consumed by the world all throughout my high school years from as young as year seven. I was hanging out with the wrong group, obsessed with popularity, drinking and partying excessively, falling in and out of toxic, intimate relationships, rebelling against myself and my parents. The world promised me that if I pursued these things, I would be accepted, happy and wholeheartedly fulfilled. But it always left me broken, empty and scared. On the surface, life seemed perfect for me. Everybody thought I was the girl who had everything together and all sorted out. But below this facade, I was alone. I struggled with mental illness, chronic depression, anxiety and anorexia. I would cry every day and dread getting out of bed, completely hopeless and constantly questioning the purpose of my life, spending every day just trying to fill the Jesus-shaped hole in my life. Since becoming a Christian, my life has completely changed. My past hurts and brokenness have subsided and I now experience complete joy, satisfaction, peace and freedom with God. By his spirit, he has healed me and renewed my heart and mind in a way I never could have imagined for myself. He's drawn me out of the mud and mire into his wondrous light and love. If I didn't know God, I really don't know where I'd be today. But I know it wouldn't be pretty. The person that I am today and the life I now live is a testament to the power of God's life-changing love. It's an incredible story, isn't it? When I first read it, it brought a tear to my eye. Because that's what we're talking about in terms of the passage we're reading. People encountering the mercy of God in the gospel and having their lives transformed. And that's who we are as a church. We're a group of people founded on this gospel message of mercy who are being transformed into the likeness of Christ, not becoming like our culture, but like our Lord. But the third thing that this passage shows us is we're a community who are not just being transformed, but we belong to each other and we serve each other in the gospel. Verse 4, For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I want you to know just a couple of things about the passage. Uh, verses 4 and 5 are very important. It uses two words in a repeated fashion. Uh, the first is, we are one body. It's this phrase. And what he's saying about the church is that there is a unity about us. We are one and we're part of the body of Christ. Uh, there is no such thing in the scriptures as a solo Christian. When you come to faith, you join Christ's body. That's just who we are. And then he emphasizes by saying, this body has many members. And in verse 5 he says, and each member belongs to all the others. And that's the reality in this beautiful mosaic of people who are so different and diverse, we belong to each other. 
the old and the young, the male and the female, the fair and the dark, the poor and the rich. And it's one of the most beautiful things I think about our church is the diversity of it. That we have people from all backgrounds who come here together and there's not a sense of position or entitlement, but rather there's just a sense of we are here as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, irregardless of our station in life. And that's exactly how it should be. We are one body and each member belongs to all the others. And what he then says in verse 6 is, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And he lists some of them out. And if you go through the New Testament, this isn't an exhaustive list. There's, much, there's many more gifts that people can use. But what he's saying is, at one level, we serve each other generally. And so all of us should be doing that because the language is of being in a family. Verse 1 talks about us as brothers and sisters. And so the body of Christ is this spiritual family that you're a member of and like any family, everyone has to chip in. And so that's why we ask people to contribute and serve and give and do those kinds of things because it's part of that. But yet all of us will have something specifically that we're gifted in. It may be a couple of things. And he's saying, well, whatever it is that you are specifically good at, well, then use that in a great way. For me, he talks about as a leader, what I need to be is diligent. It's a good word to hear. If you're an encourager, do it with great joy. Encourage people. If it's mercy, do it cheerfully. Those who can give more, well, do it generously. And the list goes on. And we do it because we belong to this community that has been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are his people. And we are one body and we belong to each other, and you could say our gifts actually belong to each other. I am responsible to use my gifts to serve you. You're responsible with your gifts to serve me. And let me just make one note to follow on from what Tim said about giving. One of the things that uh, we're seeking to do at the moment is just make sure the budget's in a good place. And normally at this time of the year, and you'll see it on the giving cards, uh, we have our tax-deductible tax offerings uh, that we talk about as we run into the end of the financial year. And I've got the details on the back of the card there. Uh, I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and talk about that. And so I thought I'll just give you the card now. Um, and we do need to raise some money for that. And people historically have been incredibly generous with that. And the fund is actually in a fairly healthy state, which is why at this time of the year what we need to prioritise is actually giving towards the general budget. And if I can just say, look, as someone who is a member here as well as serves here, uh, I'm very happy giving because I love this place. And this is why I love this place, because it's a place where God is profoundly at work. It's where I see the mercy of God touching people's lives and people using their gifts to serve others in the gospel. It's a place where God's at work. And just before COVID-19 hit 14 months ago, uh, we were in a great place. There was a great excitement. The building was about to finish. We were going forward uh, in all kinds of ways. But then the pandemic hit. And literally everything ground to a halt. And then the building works ground to a halt. And then the construction of the courtyard began after we got a new builder. And literally this was the only room in the entire site we could use for ministry. And I didn't see some families for 12 months. Literally. I remember the day that kids walked in on the 28th of February and 
there was just this sense of wonder as you saw kids had grown like three inches. It was astounding. And there were tears as people came back. And what's incredible is what's taken place in just three months' time. I had a look at my diary. It's 13 weeks since we had that celebration Sunday when we all first went into the new building and ate upstairs. And here's seven things that have taken place in the last 13 weeks. And it's quite astounding, really. Soup Kitchen is the first one I'm going to mention. And there's Di Aitken. Are you here today, Di? Where's Di? There she is. Just give a wave. Just clap and thank Di for the work she does. <laughs> Through the pandemic, we had to close it down, reorganise, and then we served from a small little caravan that was lent to us by C3 Church. It was very kind to them. And Di would be out there with her team every Monday night in the cold giving takeaway meals and just saying hello to people, but they couldn't stay, they couldn't congregate. And while it was a great service, you just knew it was not what we wanted to be doing. And at the beginning of April, with a renovated function room, Soup Kitchen was back. And you know what? It's full. And it's incredible. And you can see there, once a month, um, Rosemary and a couple of ladies organise free clothes from Lifeline, and they give out clothing every month, and you can see them there accessing that. They've got a great system. And they're now doing meals for over 70 to 80 people every Monday night. It's just such a blessing and it's so great to see it back. But that's not the only thing that's happening at Soup Kitchen. We are now running a thing called Church School. Now, I'm not talking about a institution that's part of the New South Wales academic educational system. What we're talking about is something a little bit different. And it's born out of our pastoral care outreach ministry and a desire to not just feed people at Soup Kitchen, but actually help them get on their feet and to grow and develop as people. And so what they're doing, and I'm going to read what um, Jason, who's been the brainchild of it, has said. It's a school born out of our pastoral care outreach ministry that's designed to help people needing not just emergency assistance, but longer-term guidance and support in bringing about significant changes in their life, providing free access to transformational educational opportunities to people who are, for whatever reason, disinclined to study elsewhere, which is pretty much all the people who come to the soup kitchen. And all of the people who come to the soup kitchen on Monday nights, uh, there is a team of six volunteer teachers and mentors delivering six programs in our first term. They've just kicked it off, uh, which includes Money Matters, Managing Legal Affairs, English Literacy, there's a book club, there's creative writing, preparing for work and study, and there's a cooking school. It's incredible, and they've got 20 students so far signed up. And uh, Jason is the brainchild, and good on you, Jason. <laughs> he hates me saying this, but he's actually Dr. Jason Salt with a PhD in English literature. So uh, there you go, Jace, good on you. I noticed you did your hair for the photo, well done. <laughs> and then there's youth group. The only room they could meet in through the pandemic was here, in the church. It was very challenging. When the new building opened, one of the things that delights me is every Friday night that new auditorium is packed with kids. That's level one. You can see them having, it looks like calisthenics, getting them organised and exercised and getting them fit. And I spoke to Stu and I said, Stu, tell me about uh, youth group, what's been happening this term? And they're doing youth alpha this term and you can see them there in the auditorium and Stu is speaking. 
And he wrote to me this. He said, you might not know it, but St Matt's youth, St. Matt's youth has been bustling this term. We've had up to 110 youth on site each Friday night and we're averaging eight new or visiting youth each week. One particular encouragement has been the six members of my Manly Village Public School Scripture class who have joined youth group for the first time and are regularly coming along. They've been wonderfully welcomed by their leader, Claudia Heyman, and are loving their introduction to the St Matt's community. Well, keep praying for those youth. So many kids are coming who don't know the Lord and they're hearing about it through Youth Alpha at the moment. But if you've been here for the last couple of months, you will have known that we did a big promotion with our Adult Alpha group and encouraged people to come. And they're halfway through the course and I thought it'd be great to hear about what's happened with the Adult Alpha course. There's over 70 turning up each night in the function room and Susanna has been running it and she wrote this to me regarding Alpha on Tuesday nights. At Alpha on Tuesday nights, we have an amazing team of 18 Alpha-trained hosts and helpers from the church here. And this past week at the halfway mark, we are getting a consistent 60 guests coming along. Of those guests, we have a real mix of people. We have atheists, agnostics, Buddhists. She said there's even Baha'i, people who simply describe themselves as seeking or spiritual. We've got some who've brought friends along from the church. And even among these, I heard an amazing woman of God who's supporting a friend tell me after Alpha this week with tears in her eyes that she had such a massive encounter with God on Tuesday night herself that she's now thinking it wasn't just her friend, she was there for after all. And she said, we've got some amazing stories. There's the lady who jogged past church, saw the banner outside and decided to come along and is just feeling this huge call to the claims that Jesus is making. There is this wonderful woman who's been searching for God everywhere after losing her Christian mother last year and felt that this is the way perhaps to find God. There's the bus driver who was told by someone on his bus to come to Alpha and he's here week after week. There's the atheist guy who keeps coming along with his atheist friend. They keep coming back and the fact that God is working is palpable. Please pray. So please pray. It's amazing. And then there's Minimats. Minimats is our outreach ministry to young parents and particularly young mums in the neighbourhood. And pre-COVID and pre the construction program, there literally would be dozens of prams here on a Monday and Tuesday morning and it all ground to a halt. And one of the joys has been to see the prams and the mums and the babies back. And the ministry was shut for over 13 months due to COVID and the building program. And thankfully, the Monday session was able to start at the end of term one this year. And so I spoke to Tracy Scott, who oversees it. And I said, Tracy, tell us what's happening with the Minimats. She said this, the emotion from the parents as they walked in the door was just so amazing to see. This is just about six weeks ago. Tears of joy were shed. It's been so great to see familiar faces again and also to welcome new ones. We are now able to launch Tuesday sessions on the 8th of June, two weeks' time, because of new volunteers signing up to join us. Even just last Sunday, we had someone sign up. This is greatly needed as Monday's session is already super busy. I said to Tracy, how many of these mothers come from the community? And she said, most of them. Nearly all the parents coming are from the community. What a great opportunity to welcome them and show them Christ's love in this Christian playgroup. 
and hopefully they begin a journey of discovering the Lord Jesus themselves. And then there was last week. You might have wondered, did anyone else fill in their form? Well, we had over 250 forms, and if you haven't been communicated back to, it's because we had over 250 forms, and we're trying to get back to people individually on that, and um, I'm very thankful for all those, and we're trying to get back, hopefully, by the end of this coming week. But one of the things that happened as a result of that is numbers of ministries that have gone into hibernation are now starting, and so... I mean, I am praising the Lord. We've got a barbecue team now for 10 o'clock service for monthly barbecues. How good is that? Amen. It's on today. So go on. Yes, thank them. <laughs> five o'clock has missed having dinners. All sorts of people signed up at five to make sure that our dinners at five continue on. And then the last one, um, Nathan told me in terms of night church, uh, they've got a record number of people in small groups, 130 people in small groups, and he said 12 new leaders, uh, which off the back of the pandemic, I think is incredible. And I bring you these pieces of news to encourage you. I mean, I love the church in general because it is this incredible mosaic of people's lives drawn together through the love of Christ and the gospel. But I love this church in particular because of the way that is so true and so real and the way God is at work. And you could read this finance two ways. You could go, boy, we've got a problem. Or you could say, you know what, we can fix this and we can close that gap because we've got great days ahead. And friends, that's what we have got. We've got great days ahead. And I always knew this would be the tough year. On the back of COVID and on the back of the building program, as we literally are rebuilding, that this would be the challenging year. But we are going forward. And God is at work. And in 13 weeks, you've already seen some incredible things take place. And so my encouragement is, be a part of this place. Belong to it. Come to it. Serve in it and give towards it. Because together we're going to see this place grow through the great and wonderful life-changing message of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Let me pray. Well, let's just have a moment just to be quiet and just to consider our part in growing God's church through the gospel and rededicate our lives to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible news of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins. That he rose again to bring eternal life. That death is defeated. And Father, help us to just be encouraged in our heart and soul by the news of the gospel. But also the fellowship of your people here at St. Matthew's and what is taking place. And Lord, I pray that you would grow this church through the gospel. That you would use each one of us as we come each week, as we serve each other with the gifts you've given us, as we give financially towards it, as we pray for your spirit to work powerfully in us, as we make ourselves available to be used by you. 
Lord, here we are, use us and grow this church through the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends,